Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. But I want to take you back to the 23rd Psalm again. We're confident in our God. And today I'm confident in our God, our, our shepherd, our restorer. Let's look again at the words of David, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He makes us lie down. Where? In green pastures. Why? Because we couldn't find them on our own. He brings us to quiet waters. Why? To restore our souls. And so as I thought about this psalm, I've been thinking about this question. He restores our soul, and here's the question. From what? Why do our souls need to be restored? Now, you might be going, well, well duh. I mean, life is depleting. Sometimes promises are made and not kept. Sometimes there's misunderstandings. Sometimes there's hardships, issues. There's more month than there is money. <laughs> Why do we need to be restored? Because of life itself. The season that we've been in, obviously, is a season of uncertainty and a future that's uncertain. But what is certain and what is clear is that our shepherd is with us. We shall not want. We need no other shepherd. We won't live in lack. Our souls can be overflowing like a cup. He's a shepherd. Not someone else or some other God. He's the answer to the longing in our souls. And David knew about this. As a shepherd tending his father's sheep, as a warrior fighting against the lion and the bear and Goliath, that great Philistine, and as a king, and even as a person who went against God's will and violated the law of God. He sinned, and he deeply cried out in Psalm 51 and verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You know, when we read that God restores our soul, it really is a process. I mean, these times of rest and reclining are tied to the, to the deep, refreshing, still waters, or better yet, the waters of resting places, where we may drink deeply without reservation. I love the imagery here. Now, did you know that sheep are actually afraid of water if it's flowing? If it's moving too fast, they will move away. And the noise that the turbulence causes is too much for them to bear. Ever tried sipping from the rapids of a river? Well, of course not. 
I mean, there's too much risk involved. And so the waters of verse 2 aren't the fast-flowing currents of white water, rapids, or rafting, but waters of stillness. I just like saying that. Waters of stillness. Not stagnant, stinky pools, but fresh, inviting, fulfilling water. Whereas we see in the next verse, in verse 3, that he restores our soul. Why do our souls need to be restored? Well, they're restored from my brokenness. And from my brokenness, God gives restoration. He restores my soul. Now, I love shows where something is old and it's tired. And rather than be discarded, it becomes new again. Hey, take a look at this old desk. You know, part of it is obviously old and it's been painted. But the other part of it has been restored to the finish of its original design. Take a look at this house that was devastated by fire before and after. It was made even better than new. Or think about this Chevrolet, an iconic 57 Chevy at the top that's been restored. And down below, a 56 Chevy Resto Mod. Man, it's beautiful. They're part of the Tri-5, 55, 56, 57 Chevys. You see, something similar happens when God restores our souls. He resets them to their intended original design, where we are pure in heart, where we can be free to enjoy the presence of God, where we can understand our value and our worth, and where we can walk in it and enjoy the purposes for which God created us. We think about Jesus Christ and how he's the great restorer of all. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And Jesus did this amazing restorative work on the cross, taking us from sinner to justified, or just as if I'd never sinned. Mercy and grace and freedom for people that have sinned and violated God from death to life. Newness restored. The old is gone. The new life begins. And we are made newer than new and better than original. And though we did not get resaved or need to get resaved, this newness, according to the Greek text, is an ongoing work. We get depleted, and then we get renewed. We get empty, and then we get filled up. We sometimes lose our way like sheep, and we're found fearful, and then filled with faith. Doubting, and then filled with hope. The, the word for restore in the Hebrew is the word shuv, and it simply means to turn back or to return, to bring back to its original state, to restore, to repair, like the desk, made better even than new, or the car restored to its original purpose and intention. Now, this phrase could be translated best in the Hebrew this way. He gives me back my life. Let me say it again. When the Lord restores our soul, he gives us back our life. What a beautiful statement. 
Now the word David used for soul here is the word nephesh. And this word means breathing. The breathing portion of one's actual life. The innermost part that is life itself. And he restores my breath. He lets me breathe again. He causes my life to return. Where I've lost my breath. Now, you understand that sometimes the wonder takes our breath away. Or the love of someone. Or holding a brand new child. Or having our kids bring us some artwork. Or our grandkids share a picture they made. It takes our breath away. But this is life taking our breath away. Not wonder, but work. Not wonder, but pain. By dealing with hurt and heartache, we sometimes run away from God. But before he was king of Israel, David had been a young shepherd boy caring for his father's sheep. And through his experience, he gained firsthand knowledge about the characteristics of sheep and shepherds. And the picture became an apt metaphor for who he was, one of the Lord's sheep, possessing all the weaknesses of sheep. David knew that he needed a shepherd to restore him and to guide him. He too easily could could lose sight of the path and wander away. He too could become thirsty and not know which waters to draw upon. He too could find himself exposed to many threatening dangers. And in those times, the Lord had to go after him like a shepherd and bring him back into the safety of the fold, just like David had done with his father's sheep. In this psalm, David draws upon this shepherd and sheep relationship as he describes his personal walk with the Lord. And he writes these words, hear them. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And what David reflects about himself applies to each one of us as followers of the great shepherd. In the first verse, we already noted that the Lord graciously cares for us and is unconditionally committed to meeting all of your needs. In the second verse, we saw that he is lovingly feeding us in green pastures, making us, forcing us to lie down and to take rest. We'll come back to some of that next week, especially the part about the still waters. But I wanted us to look for a few minutes at this phrase. My shepherd, my shepherd God, restores my soul. I love the vivid imagery of how God works to care for us and restore us. And in verse 3, we see that he patiently restores our soul and guides us in his chosen paths of righteousness. After all, God knows what's best for us. He restores our soul. And there's that word again, to restore, to turn back, to return. The idea is of something or someone to go back to where it previously was. For example, uh, Noah released a dove from the ark and waited for it to return back to him. And in like manner, the Lord restores David's soul, meaning he brings him back to where he once was before he drifted away and suffered a spiritual decline. And hear me, not once 
Did God reject David's plea to be restored? Not once will God reject your plea to be restored. And if you've lost your way and you become depleted, press into the presence of God. This restoration of David's soul came through uh, various means of grace. It came by the Holy Spirit who convicted him, first of all, of his sin. And it came by the Lord's painful yet loving discipline. It came by the ministry of the law of the Lord that is perfect, restoring the soul, as Psalm 19.7 records. And in each of our lives, God works in similar ways. He, he brings us back to where we need to be by reviving our hearts when we become spiritually sluggish or lukewarm or God or salvation doesn't mean to us what it did at one time. You know, left to ourselves, we would wander away. Uh, remember Isaiah's prophecy, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned to our own way. But the Lord has called to us to reconcile us, to restore us back to our first love, which is the call of the Spirit in the book of Revelation chapter 2. Return to your first love. But even when we're thriving, we still need reviving. Let me say it again. Hey, even when we're thriving, we still need reviving. Hey, I'm a poet and I don't know it. Come on. I wonder how many of you need some reviving. Well, it's really my second point. I want to just bring these two words out, reviving and replenishing. When we are down, the Lord lifts us up. When we are discouraged, the Lord encourages us. When we are depleted, the Lord replenishes us. When we are dry, the Lord revives us. When we leave our first love, he brings us back to him and restores that love. This is God's continual work in our lives, some of you theologians may call it sanctification. But maybe you're feeling distant from the Lord. Be encouraged to know that God is always at work within you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13 records that. And when we go astray, he's constantly pursuing us in order to bring us back to himself. The whole psalm restores not only our souls, but our lives. It gives us our breath back, our original design, and our intention. Our souls are restored through the redemptive work of the shepherd. Where over 2,000 years ago, our good shepherd Jesus, who gives his life for us, he lays his life down for the sheep. He cares for our emotional well-being our peace, our protection, our provision. And he gives us spiritual promises. And someday, even our bodies will be totally restored as we go to see the Lord and he makes all things new. So God restores us quickly, number one, with his word. His word. See, our souls have to be fed. And if you're hungry, I encourage you, feed yourself. Now, times like this feed you as well. Don't get me wrong. Preachers say, well, we're the ones that feed. That, that, that's fine. But the best thing you can do is to take the Word of God and apply it to your life, to read it every day. It is, it is more than just, well, your personality, your soul. It's more than just your thoughts. 
It's your entire being. There's a level beyond your intellect and your emotion. What you like, the foods you enjoy, the movies you like. It's your soul. And the core of your being, your soul, needs to be nourished like your physical body and emotional part of you needs to be nourished. Look at the words of Psalm 19, verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Watch this. Reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. What revives our soul? The law of the Lord. And if you're wandering through life and you're wondering what kind of difference your life can make, if you're seeking answers to questions about what's next or maybe a transition in your life, a decision you need to make, if you try to make those decisions anywhere outside of God's Word, I promise you, you will come up short. And you'll easily get discouraged. But the Word of God alone has the answers that you need. It's the food for your soul. Or you can gain your identity and your purpose again. It, it recalibrates your life. Often I say, let's go and read the Word. But when we read the Word, the Word actually reads us. And it's through our knowledge of the Word of God that our souls are in right connection with our true selves and with God's plan. Wisdom and inner strength also come to our souls through the Word of God. And we encourage you to soap. SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. As you go to the Word of God, you, you pick out a Scripture, you write down what you observe, you apply it to your life, how will you be different because of what you read, and you write a little prayer out. We do it daily. So I'm going to encourage you, let's go and do it. By the way, we can help you. If you need uh, Bible bookmarks, how we read the Bible every day, it's always been my dream that... The entire LFC community would read the same scripture every day together. Wouldn't that be fabulous? That families would read together and journal together, writing down what God has given them. That you would feed yourself every single day from God's word. That you would restore yourself through the word of God. And the second thing is through confession and forgiveness of sins. You are always one prayer away from starting over. But you know, when sin creeps into our lives, it, it'll suffocate the work that God has done and is doing in our souls. It will weigh our souls down. It will, it'll burden us, old word. <laughs> but the voice of the shepherd will be heard less and less when we stay away from the word of God and we allow sin to accumulate and then dominate our souls. When we choose to be offended, when we hold grudges, when we harbor bitterness, I mean, yikes, it'll, it'll deplete your soul like nothing else. So get cleansed. How do you do that? By forgiveness. And how do you get forgiven? Through confession. And if there's a, there's a rift between you and someone, go make it right. Do it now and don't delay. Time moves too fast. But bitterness will grow Hebrews says to us that if there's a bitter root, it will grow up and it will defile many, not just you, many around you. So David described the, the feeling of unforgiveness for his sins, like crushing of his bones. Think about that. David got in, in way over his head and his soul was submerged 
and he was crippled and crushed. And, and he tells us in, in Psalm 32, 4, you can look it up later on, that his strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer because of his sin. There was no moisture in his body. There was no water. And his bones were drying out and he couldn't move. He lost his joy. He lost his ambition. He lost his effectiveness and his soul suffered. Sin causes a sickness and a suffering of the soul. It's worse than any pandemic or any disease. And David wasn't convinced that he could even keep going. It was only after he confessed his sin to God that his soul started to live again. Confession brings restoration. And God moves in and says, I can fix your soul. I can restore your soul. I'm the good shepherd. I can restore you to your original intention and design. Now here's what I know. So many people have become depleted in these days and lost their calling or their way. It's like they're marking time or marching in place or jogging in, in place, and they're not going anywhere. While so many good things have happened around them. So many great things have happened through LFC, being online, and our outdoor services, and our drive through We even have another one coming up. And things that we're doing in our community, some I can tell you about and some I can't tell you about. You know, I read about a Sunday school teacher who was missing Sunday school. I mean, he loved every Sunday to go to his church and have a room full of children and have a very hands-on creative lesson. And so he got a little depleted. But he decided to teach his own kids each Sunday a new Bible story and pretend he had a classroom of kids. He only has two kids, but he treated them like there was 32 kids in the room. A Bible story, a lesson. And later on, he recorded some of these videos that he was actually teaching his kids, and his wife ran the camera, and they sent them to their friends and some of the kids from their church. And you know, I, I just applaud that. Why? Because he was restoring himself to his call and keeping his gifts sharp for when things change and Sunday schools can meet again. Your willingness to confess your sin releases God's power to forgive. It's your willingness. Now, if you're not willing, then you will have your life sapped from you. But if you raise your hands or do as 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins before the Lord, he's just and able to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Your confession and your willingness to ask for forgiveness brings a restoration of God. And the third way that God restores us is, is with his abiding presence. You see, David was keenly aware of the presence of God. Just as a shepherd speaks to his sheep, God would speak to David. And there would be instructions to lay down and rest or an invitation to stop or to eat from these green pastures or get refreshed with something to drink, these still waters. The very practical rod and staff of the shepherd were there to, to nudge the sheep or to pull them closer back to the right path, away from a cliff if they were about to fall, 
or a crevice if they were going to get stuck and possibly break one of their limbs. These were the actions the shepherd took that that comforted the sheep. There was no oil to soothe the sheep's hurts. The shepherd and the sheep were in daily contact. And all of these reminders of the abiding presence of God the Father remind us that he's the one that had the oil. And he soothed their wounds or where the parasites had tried to to burrow into their skin. And when David said, my cup overflows, well, we think of the words of Jesus when in John 10.10, he said, I come to give you life and life more abundant, life to the full. He talked to his followers about the Holy Spirit as being like streams of living water that would would keep them from ever being thirsty again and would flow from their innermost being to those who didn't have any water at all. That's you and me. What David says is that the presence of God in his life supplies him with more than enough for everything his soul needs. He has contentment. He's confident in God as his shepherd. He doesn't have to try to fill his own cup God does that. He doesn't have to try to manufacture joy. God does that. He doesn't have to try to find peace. God brings that. He doesn't have to go looking for contentment or fulfillment or satisfaction. It is found in God. His life is filled to overflowing just because of the relationship he has with a shepherd. How I pray that for you. How I pray that for the city of Lompoc and Vandenberg Air Force Base, the county of Santa Barbara, California, our country and our world. How I pray that people would understand that God's grace and mercy will never run out. His love has no limit. Time with Jesus, time in the word, time before the presence of God is always well spent. And David took time to acknowledge the presence of God. Now, here's a, a, a man's man. This is David, a warrior, a fighter. And in Psalm 1611, it's kind of flowery language, but he says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You will fill me with joy. You will fill me with joy. But, but, but this was the experience David had with the presence of God. Engaging with God's presence made him sing and dance and shout, sometimes weep. And he basically said, being with you, God, is the highest high I could ever know. David, this king, could have engaged in any earthly experience available. He had that power at the snap of his fingers. He could have sought any earthly pleasure he desired. He did when he sinned, and he saw the futility of living life on his own, apart from God's abiding presence. And he acknowledged it here, that the greatest joy that could be known was found in God's presence. What about you? Honest question. If we were sitting down in a room and could have a cup of coffee or tea, I would ask you, where does God need to restore your soul? Where have you lost your original design? 
and lost your way? How could God make you better, better than new? He desires to restore you, my weary friend. He wants to restore your soul. And that's what he's good at. He doesn't need someone else to come in. He doesn't need to call on a different God. He's the only wise God. He doesn't need to do anything fancy. (laughs) He just wants to come in simplicity and press into your presence as you invite him and restore your soul. Let me pray for you. Dear God, I thank you that you are our good shepherd, that you are the restorer of our soul. And I pray for each and every person that's watching this message, that's listening to this message, that they won't look anywhere else but to you, the restorer of our soul, the one who's capable of making us lie down in green pastures, leading us beside the still waters, restoring our very soul, giving us the ability to breathe life again, to be new, to be whole. And dear ones, I I give you, Jesus, the best gift I have to give, the best person I could invite you to get to know. And I pray that you will reach out to him. If you do not know him, that you'd open your life to him today and you'd declare that beautiful name, the name of Jesus, the name by which you can be saved. And if you've lost your way and you need to be restored, get into the word. Take some time to be still and know that he's God. Call upon his presence. And here's the prayer you could pray. It's so simple. Lord, I give you my life. Restore my soul. I confess my sin. Bring your cleansing and your healing. Restore my soul. And here's what I know about our God. I'm confident in this, that he will restore you, that he will save you. In Jesus' mighty name. Hey, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for spending this time with me. And remember, if there's anything we can do for you as a church, we'd be more than happy to pray for you, to answer your questions, to help you on your journey of faith. And if you're in need of any kind of need, contact our office. We may be able to help you. And if not, we can find a pathway for you going forward. There are great agencies out there that we have contact with. We want to do all we can to care for you as you allow God to be your good shepherd. We'll see you soon. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.